kind of on an every other Wednesday pattern. And really big thanks to Grove Studios for allowing me to do what I like doing, which is talking to some of my musical friends from the community and bringing them in and talking about what they've got going on. And uh, if you want to ever be a sponsor for this show, if you're a business and you want to get in touch with me about that, we are definitely open to uh, sponsorships for the show. But meanwhile, it is my pleasure to welcome my friend, multi-instrumentalist, excuse me, performer, arranger, teacher, actor, father, and friend, Brad Phillips is here. Hi, John. Hi, Brad. Good to see you. Good to see you too. It's uh, strange to see people in person these days, which shouldn't be the case, but it really is. Yeah. Certainly one of the most impressive resumes of any musician I've ever had in any of the studios. Uh, oh, man, thank you. Uh, you've just done, have done so much, and I've had the pleasure of knowing Brad since I looked this up. January of 2005, mm. when he and his friends came to visit me in the studios of WHFR, where I was doing a show at the time called Acoustic Alternatives, stole uh-huh. the name, in Dearborn, Michigan. The project was called Millish. That's in right. fact, if you're uh, a regular viewer of my playlist that I put together for the Acoustic Alternatives I included some archival Millish on this most recent show. Brad oh, doesn't know I that missed, yet. I missed that. I know. Oh, my gosh. Archival Since, Millish. I know. I'm, I'll tell you about it later so you don't catch, you know, by surprise. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Brad has, <laughs> as I mentioned, this really impressive resume. He's shared the stage with Aretha Franklin, Stevie Wonder, Iggy and the Stooges, Jeff Daniels, Brian Vanderuck, with and without the verb pipe, Pat Metheny, and May Earlywine, just to name a few. I'm sure there's plenty of others that we could rattle off but well, we can't forget joshua davis no no we can't forget josh yeah uh yeah i mean he's one of my good buddies and and we have a a special relationship in which i like to go on his live streams and 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 heckle him in the comments oh you know i do watch some of those and i didn't see you at the last one <laughs> yeah i uh you know call him out on changing keys and his songs and stuff like that <laughs> it's fun i love josh <laughs> and if there's ever been a musician that i've ever easily noticed ADD and it's him. Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Look, Josh, what? <laughs> Love him though. He's such a great, oh, yes. great guy, great voice. And yeah. uh, I'm sure he's a pleasure to play with. Definitely. Yeah. He creates kind of a, like a sacred space in his songs and it's, um, it's just a lovely sort of uh, place to swim around in, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wish he's a little closer than he is these days, way up in the upper part of lower Michigan, but uh, yeah, Leelanau County. We'll take him back anytime he wants to come back this way. For sure. Brad has also acted in a production at the Purple Rose Theater. He's not yeah. just a performer of that kind. He's that kind of performer these days, or has been. Mm-hmm. You're a resident and artist there. Still, whenever they reopen, they're going to yep. welcome you back into their fold. And mm-hmm. I hope that that happens sometime soon. Yeah, I hope so, too. I miss that place and everybody there. It's been uh, it's been hard, you know, um, which goes without saying, of course. But uh, um, the people at Purple Rose have become a, like a creative family, you know, and, and I see some of them once in a while on a on a walk or something like that but it's super rare (laughs) yeah so we're all living different lives these days for sure yep as a solo performer not playing alongside of other people he's proven himself to be a great storyteller if you've ever seen (laughs) one of his shows live there's a lot of weaving of stories and also weaving in the many instruments that he plays guitar Mm -hmm. mandolin violin and fiddle and i have a question about that later but i think this is a great chance for you to pick up one of the three instruments you brought with you and play something for me well um i think everything for me started with the violin yeah aside from growing up and wanting to be neil diamond (laughs) as a kid which is true it's not just a story it's a true story Mm -hmm. (laughs) um the fiddle kind of came into my realm when i was in fourth or fifth grade in celine I saw the uh, Celine Fiddler's play, and I thought, huh, that looks like fun. Maybe I'll try that. And uh, I got my rental violin in 1995 from Cardi's. <laughs> and uh, I remember picking it up in the living room of my house in Celine, and um, it just made sense. It was like everything was very intuitive to me. And uh, so I guess I'll start there. All right. What's Places the name of the tune you're going to call Play. Excuse uh, me. Let's see. Well, since you mentioned Millish, maybe we play some Millish material. I wouldn't mind. Uh, we had we had some traditional tunes that we would play that I still like to play. Um, there was a set of tunes that we frequently opened our shows with um, called Three Tunes in G. At least that's <laughs> what we called it. The tunes do have names, but I'm not sure I know exactly what the names of those tunes are. <laughs> okay. But... Um, Yeah, it's a a jig and two reels. All right, here's Brad Phillips on Acoustic Alternatives. (laughs) ¶¶ 
Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Brad Phillips uh, on Acoustic you. Alternatives. Thank uh, you. What do we call it? Gigs in G? Uh, three tunes in G. Three tunes in G. Yeah. Uh, that was close. I wish I knew the names of them. I think the first tune's called uh, The Humors of Ennis Diamond. The second tune, I th- also am not sure, I think it's called Mama's Pet. Hmm. And then the last one, I have no idea. Who would know? Which member of Millish would actually know the answer? Tyler would probably know. Tyler, if you're watching, drop us something in the comments so we <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Those Solve tunes you taught me in 2002, I, I really would like to know the names of them now. <laughs> Tyler Duncan has uh, proven himself to be quite a force as well after Millish. And, yeah, know, for sure. Many of you sure. guys are doing great things. And uh, I was really happy that I got to meet you way back when, when you were kind of just kids. Really. Yeah, definitely just kids. Yeah. Um, those were some hilarious times for sure. Um, we grew grew up together musically and personally, and um, have many adventures in our '96 GMC Savannah <laughs> out on the road. Lot, lots of just goofiness, <laughs> as you can imagine. I'd always wished for a follow-up album, but yeah, it almost happened. Um, yeah, but um, you know, I uh, I don't see it happening ever. But you never know, I guess. You don't. Well, we're still in young Brad mode, I guess. We picked up the, the yeah. fiddle. Now, I think I actually asked Jeremy Kittle this question back when I was still doing acoustic alternatives at the Dearborn radio station. Uh, What's the difference between fiddle and violin? Because technically, ah, aren't they the same instrument? They are. Um, there's really no physical difference in the instrument itself. Um, it's really all about what you play on the instrument. Um, there are some who would say like the setup is different uh fiddles if there is such a thing to be designated as a fiddle um as opposed to a violin uh fiddle setup would be like a flatter bridge and the strings would be a little lower to the fingerboard um and a violin it's a little more heightened and a little more you know a little more curvature um but uh, beyond that you know it's really all about the type of music you're playing do you have separate heroes in each category, a fiddle hero and a violin hero? Oh, goodness, definitely. Um, I'm, I, I identify more as a fiddler, so there are more um, fiddle heroes, I would say. Um, I mean, Mark O'Connor, I can't... That's what uh, I figured you, you were going to say. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can't talk, you know, talk about my heroes and not mention Mark O'Connor. Um, You've met him? Yeah, I've worked with him somewhat, too. Um, I remember maybe I was sixth or seventh grade, I heard a recording of his and I thought, wow, that's the guy I want to play like. And, um, and beyond that, being the intense kid that I was, I thought, and I'm going to record with him someday. Ooh. And eventually that did happen, All right. which is cool. Um, one, of, a, one of his albums, I assume? Yeah. Um, in 2013 or 14, uh, we recorded a couple of duos for an album of his called MOC4. Um, duet version of this fiddle tune called Gold Rush, which is up on YouTube, Mark O'Connor's YouTube channel. And uh, and another one I played mandolin on um, clarinet polka. Hmm. So that was super fun. And, you know, a bucket list item for sure. <laughs> right. What about Violin Hero? Oh, gosh. Um, let's see. That's a hard one. Um, really into some recordings of um, the Bach sonatas and partitas, um, some Fritz Kreisler, uh, Ricci, um, current, you know, current players, uh, Hilary Hahn is amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't pay as much attention to that world as, okay. you know, as much as I should, but those are some of the players that stand out and Joshua Bell, you know, oh, yeah. these kind of guys and, one of my favorite Joshua Bell stories is when he played in the uh, subway in oh, yeah. New York the same day or the day before or day after his performance at Carnegie or whatever. Right. Just, you know, busking just to see what yeah. happens, see how people valued the, the music. Right. And he, there he is just absolutely crushing yeah. <laughs> these pieces. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, we mentioned this in the, in the sort of intro that, uh, one of the things that you do is teaching and people might forget right now mm-hmm. our musicians are going through this pandemic very differently than a lot of us. So if you're a fan of local music and you're not supporting them in some way, 
Well, this is a way you could do it because teaching is a way that, that Brad is keeping busy when he's not playing on stages either as a solo performer or a sideman. So mm-hmm. um, your many hats, teaching is the one that you're wearing right now. Yeah, mostly, yeah. And tell me a little bit more about what you're doing teaching-wise. Well, um, about a year ago or so, I, I uh, moved my whole private lesson situation into the uh, under the umbrella of the Ann Arbor Saline Music Center. Um, they now uh, are located in Saline, but they used to be, um, I think they were called like the Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor School of Rock or something yeah. on Ashley Street there behind the Ark in Ann Arbor. Um, <clears throat> I've always known that they're a great organization, and anytime someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to take some you know, legit rock guitar lessons, or I want to learn to play in a band, they're the people I would send them to. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I just sort of felt like my, my private lessons should be housed in some sort of official place. And so um, I'm teaching lessons through, through there now. Um, when everything shut down back in March, everything went to Zoom. And I was, I was pretty anxious about that transition. Um, it's just sort of part of who I am, I think. When there's a big change, I get kind of flustered. Um, but uh, switching over to Zoom has actually been, it's been, I'm inclined to say it's been all right, but it's been more than all right. Hmm. I mean, uh, it works fairly well. We can't really play together, but that doesn't mean I can't, like, do my teacher thing and help people over over the screen. Yeah. Um, so that's been okay. Um so that's the private lesson realm. And I've got anywhere from, you know, like a seven-year-old all the way up to adults, you know, people who are retired and looking to pick up an instrument again after having not touched it in a while. Or um, my favorite type of student is one who's been a classical musician their whole lives and they're looking at ways to branch off into um, other genres. Oh, nice. Which is something I'm super passionate about because I believe deeply that um, musicians should be able to function in as many different um, musical landscapes as possible. So when a classical musician comes to me and they've got all these chops and they're just incredible players, but then when you say, okay, now improvise, and they're like, uh. uh I, can't, I don't I can't do jazz. Do yeah. <laughs> um, or play this fiddle tune and, and play it with a groove, and there's it's like there is no groove. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. It's not part of their their musical awareness, you know, and it's not good or bad. It's just how it is. And so um, I really love talking about, you know, improvising and creativity and groove with musicians who have been playing so beautifully in other genres their whole life. But now they're like, well, but how do I do this other thing? I see all these musicians, especially nowadays, there's a lot of young acoustic musicians who are incredibly skilled and incredibly gifted technically on their instruments but they do these other styles so it's it's becoming more of a thing in the in the culture of of music these days so if i can be some sort of voice in helping people move into that realm then that's exciting to me you know um are you teaching primarily fiddle or are you teaching all three instruments uh it's primarily violin um i have a couple of guitar students um, it's tough for me to take guitar students because I'm self-taught on guitar, so I don't have this history of lessons to call from when I'm teaching. So it has to be kind of the right fit, like someone who's played piano or other instruments for a while and now also want to play guitar. Okay. Um, you know, then I can get more 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 behind it. Um, I feel a little bit. <laughs> Not like a fraud, but something like that. <laughs> like someone says, okay, teach me guitar. It's like, okay, well, I can teach you certain things, but I don't know. I, like Teaching mostly comes from violin for me, um, just because I have this long history of training with it. Um, so, but, um, so that's the private lessons. And then um, I'm also teaching at the University of Michigan now. Go um, Blue. Yeah. Blue means something different these days, too. <clears throat> Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> right, it sure does. <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, so uh, I'm a lecturer in the jazz department, and um, when I was in grad school there, I was I was um, sort of lobbying the administration at the school to um, create a space in the music school um, ecosystem or <laughs> atmosphere for um, 
non-classical string players, which is largely not a thing anywhere in the country at, at any, any major music schools officially anyways. Uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston, they're kind of the spot for that. Um, but there are other schools who are open to it, like North Texas or New England Conservatory and the University of Michigan. You know, they've been open to these kinds of players like Jeremy Kittle went to University of Michigan and was a jazz major. And uh, that's what I did there. And, you know, so there are these pockets of places that are open to it, but don't embrace it and, and create a space for it for reals with a Z. <laughs> So uh, in grad school, I wrote a whole degree program called uh, Roots Music Improvisation for Strings, um, hoping that I could get some traction at the school. And the jazz department kind of latched onto it and said, yeah, I think that's a great idea. We should really have something like this for our string players that are here and as a way to, to bring a more diverse uh, group of string players to the school. So um, last January, they brought me in to um, to teach a class called Roots Music for, uh, Roots Music Improvisation for Strings, which is basically like a fiddle class. It's like fiddle camp and music school, and we talk a lot about um, groove, and we learn by ear, and we talk about improvisation and creativity, and and what it means to like really create truthfully in the moment as your true authentic self. And um, so that's kind of where that work is um, centered. Which is exciting. All that stuff is like everything that I love about teaching and everything I'm passionate about with regard to music education. So, well, during a pandemic, it is certainly something that people could use as therapy. I think as yeah. something like you were you were addressing that with me in a phone conversation. How, mm -hmm. how it's being used in a different way, not just to learn, but yeah, yeah, especially for like young kids. Yeah, I've found that. Um, well, I've, I've re re-geared or refocused the uh the mission statement of my private lessons these days to be more like um okay so these kids can count on seeing me at 4 30 on wednesday or whatever their time is and we're just going to focus on making a good sound on the violin everything else disappears and we're just gonna we're just gonna try to make the violin sound good we're going to talk about what you have to do to do that and we'll work on some fiddle tunes and some improv maybe and and uh and it's it's um even for me you know to get to teach like that is good for me too but um you know the 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 lesson goals become more about embracing the process of learning on a grand scale while being okay with whatever you are that day or wherever you're at that day technically emotionally as a human being um so i just meet everybody where they're at when they show up on my screen and and we go from there and for half an hour the world is less scary that's right <laughs> or however long the, the lesson is yeah exactly and the world is scary it is a right little now. scary right now and um to have music as a, as a resource is a really big deal right now what about those university students? They're a little different than the, the you know, eight-year-old who's learning violin. Do they do they handle this differently? Is there a different uh, emotional impact you're having on them as you're teaching? Um, maybe. Uh, I don't have as many college students right now. In fact, last... Well, you're last, teaching at U of M, yeah, technically. <laughs> yes, but like last year in my class, before everything shut down, I had like 23 people, which is great, you know. Um, and then everything shut down and, it, you know, we had to basically just wrap it up with a final project, which made me really sad. But um, this year, my class is online and it's one student and she's studying remotely from Spain. <laughs> so I see her, you know, whatever, middle of the day on a Wednesday here, mm -hmm. but over there it's evening. Right. And um, and it works. It's it's OK. It's like it's private lessons, essentially. Um, and I've got a couple students at Concordia um, who are composition students. And we spend time each, at the beginning of each session, just talking about how they are as a person. Because if we don't recognize that as artists, who we are, how we are, then we can't create truthfully. So with the composition guys, uh, we did a lot of improvisation and trying to, um, to get them to discover the most pure organic seeds of ideas 
possible, which in and of itself, that process is a therapeutic process where you just sit down, feel your feet on the ground and, and just start to play music on an instrument without any expectation or plan or whatever. It's, you, you end up with a product in the end that is real. And if you use those ideas to then build a composition off of, it's, it's, it's a great foundation to start from. And in academia, I feel as though we often forget that um, the human side of this is important. We're training artists. Yes, they're here to study, they're here to expand on their skills and their technique and their knowledge, but at the end of the day, all that goes back here when it's time to create meaningful art. And that's not frequently not part of the discussion in a music school. And so I try to bring that to the table with all of my college students. Well said. In summary, therapy, if you need it, instead, learn, <laughs> learn an instrument. I mean, we're going to be stuck inside for the next few months again. Yeah, we are. Support yeah. a musician, take some lessons. Brad, how can people find out about taking lessons from you since I'm throwing that out there? Yeah. Um, you can track me down through my website, which is bradphillipsmusic.com. Since Brad Phillips is a fairly common name, make sure you put music in there. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I've, I've run into some other Brad Phillipses in yeah. my day. There was a guy who actually had my same middle name also at yeah. U of M when I was there for undergrad. Uh oh, And uh, we would get each other's mail. And <laughs> one time I got one of his paychecks. <laughs> yes. So I you could know, have cashed. It could, it could have. But I you know, said, so, hey, other Brad, um, here's, here's your paycheck. It came to me for some reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Great. bradphillipsmusic.com. Great. Time to play another song. What would you like to play on? Mmm, goodness. Let's so go to, many choices. Let's go to Guitar World. <laughs> guitar, the instrument that he's self-taught, by the way. We're going to remind yeah. people of that. Right. Is, um, this, is this a singing song as well? Because I'm going to encourage you to take off your mask. Oh, right. Sing. Yes. High end. There it is. Um, so I had this, this uh, summer gig at Sava's, downtown Ann Arbor, every Saturday for about 10 weeks or so. And uh, it was really, really a lifesaver for me in a lot of ways. Um, it, it gave me a, something to look forward to every week while everything is just shut down and an opportunity to go experience myself doing the thing that I do, which since the summer gig shut down, I really haven't done, you know, and this is this right here right now is the first thing I've done since then. Um, I'm honored. So, oh, man. So, yeah. I mean, thank you for having me. This is really good for me. Um, a little bit a little bit anxious about it, you know, driving over here. But um, but I would sit there out in the street, in St on State Street, right by the uh, Michigan Theater there, and play for this basically background music for people eating out on the patio. And um, sometimes people would pay attention. <laughs> Uh, and sometimes it would be like one person off over there who's sitting at a table of whoops, sitting at a table of three or four people, and they keep turning and looking at me, and, and, and clearly are pretending to be interested in the conversation, but they really want to hear what I'm doing. <laughs> That's me usually. <laughs> <laughs> so then it becomes about that one person, you know. But on the nights when there would be clearly nobody paying attention, I'd look up at the apartment building at Washington and state, like the building above Buffalo wildlings and all that. And I'd see all the, the lights on in the windows and I'd make up little stories about the people up there and they might be listening, you know, and waiting for me to play their favorite thing that they hear me play every Saturday because it's the only thing that they, they know they can expect. Um, after a couple of weeks of playing there, I started finishing my night by playing Amazing Grace on the violin, just solo violin right there in the middle of the street and just send it out into the Ann Arbor realm and hoping it would land somewhere for somebody. So I started thinking, maybe there's people up there waiting for Amazing Grace. And um, I don't write songs a lot, not lately, especially for various reasons, but um, this one, I couldn't ignore this. So I've never performed it for anyone. So this is for, for you, John. 
That's a picture song. I can, yeah, I can, I can, I can see the people. I can feel 
what's going on in that one. And yeah. I can hear Gordon Lightfoot singing that, actually. Oh, my. Thank you for indulging me. Uh, of course. <laughs> but no, really, that's the kind of song he probably would have written in, in his younger days. Um, yeah. I don't I, know what he's writing these days, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard much of his new stuff. Although I, I think he did release something recently. Well, he was supposed to be on tour this year, but... Oh, right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, no, that, that's very much a, a writing style that I stole from Jeff Daniels. A lot of his music is pictures. Yeah. A lot of visual stuff. Uh, he's got a song that that one maybe is sort of based off of, at least conceptually, called Across the Way. Um, that... Um, let me think here. It's about a, a guy who's just lives alone in New York and uh, his only connection to the outside world is this person in the apartment across the way. And the song is just a lot of visual about, you know, being all alone and, you know, the old TV that's older than he is and, you know, meals on wheels, serves supper at seven, mm. chats for a minute or two before they go, you know, that kind of stuff. And it brings you right into the room with the characters in the song. And yeah. I tried to capture things that maybe people are dealing with right now, which is everyone's alone. And, you know, Sarah's watching New Girl on her bed, wishing for someone to hold instead. Man, you know, I feel like there are a lot of Sarahs right now. And uh, Benny takes his dress shoes off and manages to look out toward the light and sits down by the open window and notices the time. I don't know. Benny was at work all day, and he gets home and can't really see anyone. So he just waits for Amazing Grace yep. Saturday night at 9.30, you know. And Caitlin, with the night off at home, lost her dear old dad all alone. Well, so That's many people. Happening a lot. Yeah. And uh, she couldn't get home for the funeral, you know, so she just watches crying on the phone, you know. And it's a snapshot of um, of a lot of things that are happening right now. And like I said, I couldn't ignore it. You know, I I don't write a lot, but that one had to be written. So there it is. Did you title it Amazing Grace, or did you title it something else? Or did uh, you titled it at all? Because it's <laughs> it might be called Amazing Grace tonight or Amazing Grace twenty twenty. Yeah, because <laughs> right. it's such a picture of what's been going on. Right. Now. I uh, I made a demo of it. Um, and at the very end, the violin comes in and plays amazing. I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, I'll I'll work it up and and publish it one of these days. But uh, you know, that's yeah. So that's good that. stuff. Could be the counterpart to Bob Seger's Main Street as well as you're painting ah, a picture of yes. what's going on on right. Main Street, Ann Arbor. Right. Good right. stuff. Well, as a lyricist, what's more likely to inspire you? A sad story or a happy story? Or what, where, oh, where, where, do, where do your lyrics tend to come from? Experiences um, that you've had? Yeah. Well, there's only a handful of songs that I've written. Um, I, I, I grew up, like I said earlier, wanting to be Neil Diamond when I grew up. Yeah. You know? um, something about the, the singer-songwriter thing has always been appealing to me. But uh, um, I got in my own way a lot for a long time, and I still do in terms of writing and creating so I really should take my own advice that I give my students, which is just write from your heart and be truthful, tell the truth, you know. Um, but uh, it's harder, harder to do than it is to say sometimes. Um, but man, sad songs, I don't know, I tend to be kind of, I tend to float around in the Alison Krauss <laughs> mood <laughs> space. Um, grew up listening to her a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so... At, at the moment, I, I hang out there. I, I do have some some ideas for some comedic songs. Like a few years ago, there was this story in Dexter uh, where my kids go to school. Um, we got this email from the district that said, basically, um, there was an unfortunate incident today at the bus hub. A deer, a wounded deer, ran into the bus hub, and one of our bus drivers decided the most merciful thing to do was to run over the deer with his school bus. <laughs> Which is like only a thing that you would 
that would happen in a small town in the Midwest, you know? Yeah. So I have this, this little story about, um, I mean, I don't know who the bus, like who the real guy is or girl or whatever, but I fictitiously named the bus driver, Kevin Lapeer <laughs> because it rhymes with deer. Yes, it does. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a work in progress. Um, it's a little bit overwritten at this point. <laughs> I think it just has to be real simple. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and sung in your Gordon Lightfoot voice. Of well. course, yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, so that you know, you can write from both perspectives. Is what you're trying to tell me? Happy, yeah, answer. yeah, that's yeah. good. Okay, comedy is is fun. You know, like part of my solo show, whenever it ever can happen again, is is, a, is somewhat stand-up comedy. You know, it's like the stories I tell and things like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a weirdo. I'm like a goofball weirdo. So and I embrace the hell out of that. And <laughs> and um, you know, I'm not afraid of super nerdy music theory jokes that no one cares about. But I think it's I think it's cool and exciting, you know. Somebody just, somebody gets it. Yeah. Like did everybody catch that tritone substitution out there? <laughs> That's what I thought. None of you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um <clears throat> nerd. Yeah, total nerd. Right. Many of my Instagram posts are hashtagged with nerd alert. Nerd alert. Hashtag nerd alert. Um, well, maybe you should replace your very common name with that, Brad Phillips, and instead of using <laughs> it as your performance name, nerd alert. Nerd alert. Yeah, nerd alert. Right. Um, named your band. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, I'm. I'm very inspired by a lot of um, the people I work with, um, Jeff especially, um, because I've just sat with him on stage so much and I've gotten to sit in his. Um, in his sphere of energy with him and, and observe how he uh, interacts with an audience. And, and it's, it's, it's a deep thing that he does. It's like a, he reaches people in a, in a almost energetic, spiritual way. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and his storytelling and his lyrics and you know, even his influences, like um, he's a huge Springsteen fan. And Springsteen's all about storytelling. His songs yeah. are very picturesque. And um, uh, actually, this is a nice little smooth little segue. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Um, Don't let me forget to ask a question related, related to Jeff and something I forgot to ask earlier now that you brought it up. Oh, okay. Go ahead with your segue because I'd hate to screw that up. Oh, it's all good. Um, so uh, I was uh, touring with the Verve Pipe for a few years, and we did this tour down in the southwest um we played in roswell like the roswell oh. and uh i remember the drive from albuquerque to roswell just being the most the most nothing i've ever seen out the window of a car like endless endless horizon uh, you could see so much all at once and um you know trying to capture that kind of stuff. And, and then Brian Vander Ark had, there was a verb pipe song called Underneath that he would play just totally solo in the shows. And, you know, we would all leave the stage and he would play underneath. And, you know, those of you that know Brian's voice and how soaring it is and how, you know, soulful his voice is, it's, I couldn't actually leave completely. You know, the rest of the band would go back and, you know, have snacks and stuff during underneath, but it was, I had to stay, you know, I didn't go far. I had to watch him do it because it's just so gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So um, I took that song and, and adapted it for octave mandolin. Octave mandolin, which a rare instrument. To right, play. yeah. Yeah, nice thing about the octave mandolin is it's tuned in fifths, just like the violin. So I know where everything is intuitively. And it's down an octave, so it's it's in guitar range. So I can, you know, accompany vocals with it, which is great. Not with a mask on. Not with a mask on. <laughs> there we go. High end. Um, so anyway, I, I put together this little medley um, uh, underneath and a Springsteen song because we we also played in New Jersey at the Stone Pony, mm -hmm. um, which is Springsteen's like home venue, and. Uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just go for it. Mm -hmm. 
tissues white like daisies Fell like soldiers dead determined I surrender The CD case is broken in a desperate chance To find the perfect ballad To move you Fight with little purpose Only meaning to scratch the surface it's not pretty underneath There among debris fine Casual and casualty It's not pretty underneath A bottle meant for two Glass that's full of legs But free of any fingerprints Heard pounding on the walls Now lulled to sleep by lowered voices Is waking Fight with little purpose Only beating to scratch the surface It's not pretty underneath There among debris find Casual and casualty it's not pretty underneath My eyes are on your hands I'm helpless when I'm looking at you Be very, very careful not to Scratch the seals from last year's arguments They don't hold a candle to the ones From this year A disagreement used to be a speed bump On a highway going 80 Fight with little purpose Only meaning to scratch the surface it's not pretty underneath There among debris find casual and casualty It's not pretty underneath So I mentioned the stone pony the opposite of the um, desert southwest landscape. You pull up to the Stone Pony and it's like uh, it's like pulling up to a warehouse somewhere, you know, and uh, it looks like it closed up in sometime in the early 80s, but you go inside and it's like a thriving rock club and uh, you, know, you wander around and some of the typical classic rock club things are are there like the ceiling fan that's twirling around it's gonna fall on you any second you know or the, the ceiling tile that's wet and sagging or the 40 years of Heineken under your feet you know <laughs> but you stand there and you, you picture Bruce over by the bar you know try to imagine him hanging out with the E Street Band over there and, and you start to get a, a better sense of where a song like this one might have come from.
Sometimes it's like someone took a knife Edgy and dull and cut a six-inch valley Through the middle of my skull And at night I wake up with the sheets soaking wet And a freight train running through the middle of my head Oh, you cool my desire Brad Phillips on Acoustic Alternatives in the Grove Studios in Ypsilanti, taking my very favorite Springsteen song and putting it into a medley with one of my top five Verve Pipe songs. So how, <laughs> how can you lose there, really? Yeah. Well done. Man, thanks. that sounds so great on the octave my mandolin. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's a that's a Northfield instrument um, made in Marshall, Michigan, which oh. is kind of cool. Um, yeah. my, my normal mando is also from Northfield, and they're just great. I mean world-class instruments for sure and i'm grateful i got my hands on this one mm, two years ago almost so we've become good friends me and this octave mandolin here there's some beautiful instruments in the room here with uh, the talents of brad phillips and uh, mm. bradphillipsmusic.com if you want to find out more about him but we're not done chatting and now i can ah. ask that question i forgot to ask there's oh, a few yes. more questions too so in the in the old brad the young brad i mean the younger ah. brad um when he's inspired by the celine fiddlers to pick up the fiddle, yeah. did he ever follow that to the stage and get involved in musicals such as Fiddler on the Roof? No. No, I, and never, I, wonder, I wonder if going to the stage was inspired by working with Jeff. Actually, with Jeff. yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't have been more anti-theater really? back in the day. Yeah, I just thought... Come on, Fiddler on the Roof is made for you. I know, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Tradition. Yes. Um, but I, this, the, the, the me of back then you know, um, was very not like a theater type person. Um, at least I didn't think so. Hmm. Looking back, I think I was, but I just didn't think it was like, okay for me to be that way for some reason. Um, so the fiddle was just in my voice at that time, which was very important for me at, back then. But, um, yeah, I think spending time with Jeff and, and I think we played like a hundred shows at least together over a span of about five years um that was super inspiring you know um he and i are are similar in terms of our um sense of humor at least <laughs> um but other things too you know the, the artist um the artist core of him is very similar to to i think what like where i come from when i'm performing so um I could really relate to what it was he was doing on stage and um, felt like it was, it was time for me to, to also do that. Um, the, the acting thing that, that came up on my uh, radar a couple of years ago was sort of unexpected. Um, the Purple Rose needed a, a, an actor who is a musician for a play called Willow Run. And uh, I didn't see it coming, but I took their acting class and it, it felt like an artistic awakening to me in a way that it made me like really um, connect with what it was I loved about music, which was the connection and the collaboration with other people and the connection with an audience. And to, to learn about that type of um, energy or, or performance medium without an instrument in my hands was pretty profound. Um, in the end, I did have an instrument in my hand in that <laughs> show, but um, but to you know connect artistically with other people um, purely through human to human interaction with dialogue or stage action or or whatever dancing whatever the thing might be was life changing for me and. Um, so that really got me thinking about my solo show and what it could be. And, um, and then there's also the, uh, the practical side of things, which is I'm tired of waiting for the phone to ring. You know, I'm tired of waiting for other people to call me to do, to work. So I just put my own show together and started calling venues myself. And, um, you know, it was, it was starting to pick up some steam. Uh, I signed on with the, uh, um, 
the Great Lakes Performing Artists Associates this year. So I've, I have representation through them, which is great. But, you know, there's not, no venues. So no. Not right now. <laughs> not right now. We're going to um, get back, though. Yeah, but that's a great organization, too. They're, they're providing a lot of support um, for their artists, and, and they check in on us, and say, how's everybody doing, you know? It's, uh, just when they care about us as people, which mm-hmm. is important. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't know where I was going with this. Did I answer the question? <laughs> yes, I have a perfect tie-in with it, though, as well, because it, if, after being a sideman for so long, you finally took the leap and, and put out your own music. But yeah. you didn't do it like everybody else does. You put out a record. You put two records out I at did. once. Yeah. So <laughs> Typical it might, me. It might be a trick question, but is one your debut and the other your sophomore? Or I mean, are, they, <laughs> are they both your debut albums? Because I think they're both. You know, they... They both represent very different parts of my musicianship. I think um, the the one the the uh, let's see, there's one called Breaking Free, which is a uh, um, like a larger ensemble that features my string arranging and my singing and some compositions and things like that. So it's like a, a string quartet with a, a folk rhythm section, uh, some instrumentals, some fiddle tunes, um, and a few arrangements of of some of my favorite Michigan songs, um, uh, Overboard, Verve Pipes Overboard is on there, uh, Jeff's song Road Signs, and uh, a David Moser song called Can't Catch Me, and some original instrumentals. Um, so that's like, that's one area of what I do. And then the other one was a surprise. Uh, it's called Rodella's Cave, the Liberty Street Sessions. I, I, I was doing a sound design job for um, a production of All My Sons by Arthur Miller at Purple Rose. And um, sound design jobs, to me, are an opportunity to write music. So, you know, yes, it's also the sound of the door slamming <laughs> and the sound of someone running up the stairs and, uh, you know, gunshots and things like that. But to me, it's like, oh, man, I could, I could write all of the music for this show. And I had this goal for a long time to do a sound design job and all of the music in the show is original music of my own. And for whatever reason, that was the one that I decided was going to be that if mm. I could help it. <laughs> mm. So I was uh, using some studio space downtown Ann Arbor at the time, and I went in there one day and just set up all my mics and, you know, meditated and just did some deep breathing, got super present, did some slow, long tone warm ups on the violin, and kind of put myself in the space of that that story, all my sons and and thought about all the actors and all the other designers and um, just pressed record and started improvising music for the show. And about an hour and a half later, I had a whole album's worth of improvised music on guitar and violin and mandolin and octave mandolin. And, and I thought, well, I think this is an album. <laughs> Is now <laughs> and I, now it is. I thought, yeah, like, like why not release this? It's long enough. There's enough stuff. It's all different, but also kind of connected somehow, and it's all very truthful. I felt good about the performances, um, and in the spirit of of just taking a risk and and jump, you know, jumping into the unknown of um, my own sharing my own voice with the world in this very, very pure, intimate way. I just got it mastered over its solid sound and, and released it. So, so there you go. Two albums at once. That's the, Brad, right. the Brad Phillips way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it took a while for those to come out in, it did. Like, in terms of your career yeah. stretch. When do you, I know this is pressure, but when do you expect to be considering a follow-up to oh, those two? Man. I don't know. I think it's going to, whatever it is, it's going to be original songs because mm-hmm. they're starting to, you know, I'm starting to amass a little handful of those. Um, there's no real timeline right now. I mean, it's just so day to day at this point. You're just, busy. Yeah. Just get, <laughs> get to bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> Parenting and teaching is, is enough at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a lot. Um, so we'll see. I've, I've done some, some collaborations. I was going to ask about those, yeah. yeah. Three to four. Yeah. Three to four. And uh, a fellow resident artist from Purple Rose named Caitlin Cavanaugh, who's uh, an actor, an incredible actor, and a great singer. And she's a Celtic harpist, and she, um, she's an Irish dancer, just an amazing artist and great person. Um, we, uh, 
we had done some music before together. She was in Willow Run, so we worked together there on some music. And uh, back in March, we recorded a version of I'll Fly Away and, and put it up on YouTube. And it's out there on my YouTube channel. And uh, that got some nice attention. I think we're up to <laughs> local viral numbers, which would be probably, you know, around 1,000 views, mm-hmm. which, yeah. is, which is good for, you know, being locally viral on YouTube, yeah. if that's a thing. It is. Um, and we recorded another song uh, called The Wildflowers, which is still sitting in the can at the moment. Um, but uh, Caitlin and I have talked about like forming an official name for our duo and just making it a thing separate from ourselves as individuals, you know. Yes. Um, we don't know what it's going to be called yet, but we think it starts with an A and perhaps A-V something. But well, I don't know. It'll probably end up being something not that. <laughs> it's got to have a nerd in it somewhere. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's that's out there sort of floating around with with no expectation attached to it, just um, and no timeline. It's just it is. It comes and goes as it as it needs to. Any other collaborations planned? You've got those two already done. You could include those on an album. If could, you could, yeah. Permission to release a cover of a Fleetwood Mac song, which I'm sure is not hard to do. Oh, right. Yeah, well, there's, yeah. So I, I did this thing with Drew DeFore. Um, I, <laughs> all right, hang on now. I don't know if I can I'm hanging. still do this. Um, it was, that when, um, when, uh, quarantine set in I uh, I'm, I've always been a huge Lindsey Buckingham fan and I uh, always wanted to learn that song uh, never going back again I remember trying to learn it in middle school and going nope not I can't do this <laughs> and I put it down for 20 years and um, that's a favorite thing of mine that he's ever written personally. Oh my God, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. And, and uh, I learned it and I realized I can't really sing it. She broke down, let me in. I can sing the lower part. But the... And I yeah. want <laughs> yeah, I can't too, quite do too hard. That. So I called Drew. It's was like, hey, uh, do you want to make a duo, a collaboration of this? And uh, he was like, yeah, totally. In his very Drew DeFore sort of way. Oh, yeah, 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 let's do it. And uh, and then, you know, I recorded a guitar track and sent it to him, and then he sent back a video and audio of him playing piano and singing along with my guitar part and pieced it together and added some bass and shaker yeah. and sunglasses <laughs> and <laughs> uh, some violin. And um, so that's also on it's my fan- YouTube channel. It's fantastic. I really like that one a Thanks. lot. We have on your bucket list for people you'd like to perform with or collaborate with. Oh man, that you haven't done already because you've already done Mark O'Connor. Yeah, um, James Taylor. Oh, he's still here. Yeah, we still have James. Yes, um, I want to play Copper Line. With oh, James Taylor. Nice. Play the violin part. Mark O'Connor played the violin part on the original Copper Line recording, and I'd love to, you know, sit in the on stage and do the. I'm going to encourage you to, to get together with Chris Dupont on that one because he likes that song too. Ooh. So you two do a version of it together. That's a There's my idea. idea. I'm coming for you, Chris Dupont. Chris Dupont was the first guest on the show before I named it Acoustical Alternatives. It was when it was just the Grove Sessions takeover mm. here at Grove Studios, but uh, I think he, he would do that. Ah, cool. That's a great song. It is a great song. Hey, yeah. thank you so much. Do you want to do one more song before I, I let you oh, goodness. back to your real life? What what could it be? We, there's three things. If you only had a loop pedal, you could play oh, all three instruments. It's funny. I, I just got one. Are you thinking about doing that, playing all three instruments on stage at once? I mean, that, loop, looping them. Yeah, the I mean, that's a possibility now. You have to. Yeah. Oh, gosh. What could I do here? Closing number for Brad Phillips. Maybe I'll do... 
This is one from the, the, the Riddellis Cave album. Cool. And since it's improvised, all of it is improvised. Um, when you improvise something, it's hard to like recreate it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, with this one, I went back and tried to recapture the essence of it. Um, this is called uh, Fallen Brothers. Um, and it's in a, a very nerdy time signature. Um, it's in 11 8. If anyone really cares. <laughs> All right. on acoustic alternatives who i just lied to because i just came up with another reason to make you play something else oh. you only played three of the four instruments you played you did not actually play violin for us no violin oh oh is there a short little violin piece you could play too oh, something that would demonstrate dear. your oh no i guess not oh just, let me well maybe part of something just part know. of something just you know if we're, if we're going to show off your talents yeah. fiddle and violin are different we discussed that yeah what's All the right. difference here's the difference okay I don't know if the, how much of this is still in my head, but let's see.
all I got. <laughs> that's all I remember. <laughs> it's okay. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. thank, thank you so much for sharing your talents. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me. This has been really great. Always good to see you. You as well. Maybe we should go on an eight-mile walk sometime. I would like that. Yeah. Like, try not to get lost. That's exactly that. right. <laughs> Where are we? How do we get back to the park? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Feels like that happened once in my yeah, life I already. I think it might have, yeah. Hmm. Brad, keep it up. And I, I encourage people, again, there was something I said earlier, maybe sort of off the cuff, but you're going to be stuck inside probably for the next few months, and you might want to really consider taking an instrument, something to, to take your mind off of where your mind is. Yeah. It's good therapy, as Brad was telling me. And uh, Yep strongly encourage whether it's brad or somebody else to to make music your your place of peace for you right now because it, right. it is yep for sure all right wrapping up another edition of acoustic alternatives look for the video show on youtube look for my next one which is already uh well the guests are determined i haven't discerned exactly how it's going to go but giacomo will be our next guests on acoustic alternatives so thanks for being here brad and thanks for joining Thank you, us john. in the virtual world have a great night Bye, everybody thanks john <laughs>